Thank you, Brother Jeremy. We'll be reading from John chapter 21, John chapter 21, beginning in verse 1 this morning, if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles. A little housekeeping note, and that we're aware of the fact that throughout the uh, broadcast, sometimes there's a little glitch and a little uh, interruption in the signal. We're aware of that. Uh, this all has to do with some equipment issues that we're working out. Uh, but the good news is uh, the response to our live stream been so overwhelming uh, we're getting some new equipment, hopefully this week, uh, that not only will uh, remedy those problems, but it's going to be our permanent equipment for a live stream, even after we all get back together. Live streaming uh, on the internet uh, will become a permanent part of Brister's ministry. So we're thankful for you, for uh, your support in making all this happen. John chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. And they went out immediately and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with the fish. As soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This event occurred sometime after the resurrection. We're, of course, aware of that, <clears throat> and before the ascension. In 1 Corinthians last week, you remember we read that he appeared to over 500 of the brethren throughout the days after the resurrection. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, Luke says he presented himself alive by many infallible proofs for 40 days. Uh, they were not with him constantly, but Jesus would show up and appeared to the disciples. And he also said he spoke to them and taught him things concerning himself. Now let's look at this event. The disciples are now in Galilee. Now the last time we saw, they were in Jerusalem. They were up in the upper room, of course, and they were hiding and Jesus appeared to them. Why are they in Galilee? Well, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 10, Jesus tells them to go to Galilee. In Mark chapter 16, verse 7, the angel says, you go to Galilee. And you'll see him there. Now they're at Galilee. And while they're at Galilee, there's the fishermen. 
There's the boat. There's the lake. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now here's the question that scholars and theologians have struggled with since the early days of the church. Did Peter intend to return to his career? And many of the scholars have scolded him unmercilessly that uh, he was uh, going fishing and returning to his career and abandoning the apostleship. Should they have been fishing at all? Well, scholars are divided. Some say that this is a horrible thing that Peter did and he led these other guys astray. Other people say it was simply a matter of opportunity. Uh, the scholars are divided. The disciples had not yet been commissioned. It was kind of a time of uncertainty. They were not sure exactly what to do. Here's the probable answer, somewhere in the middle. They had time on their hands. They came to Galilee. It's obvious Jesus wasn't with them at this time. And they simply wanted to stay productive. But now here's something else, and I think we can all identify with this. They simply wanted to be together. We see them together in Jerusalem up in the upper room. And after, of course, the days of the Passover, they were going to Galilee. They dared not travel together. So once again, they were scattered. They were separated. And we realize all of the disciples are not together at this time, just seven of them. They really wanted to be together. In uncertain times, we all like to be together. These are uncertain times. And part of the uncertainty is that we can't be together. I think we can identify with the disciples. They sought each other out. They needed each other. They got into the boat. And can you imagine that night as they talked? So much changed since they cast a net. So much was different than they last were fishing together. The last time, of course, we have it recorded was back in the early days when Jesus told them to follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their boats and followed him. And that had been three years ago. No doubt they talked it over. A lot of things to talk about. They were out all night in the boat, and obviously there was not a lot happening, so they cast the net, drew it in, and cast the net, and drew it in, and no doubt they were not occupied with counting fish, so they spoke and they talked. They needed to sort some things out. They'd be working together for a long time. They needed, of course, to talk to each other. Who were these disciples? Well, we have five of them mentioned, Simon, Peter, and Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, which would be James and John, and two others. Who were the other two? Well, scholars cannot say exactly who. We know, of course, that uh, Peter's brother was Andrew. He was with them at the early days. That was probably one of the other disciples. And, of course, uh, Nathaniel's friend was Philip, probably those two. But I really like what John Phillips, one of the Bible scholars, said. The Holy Spirit left those two seats empty so we can join them in the boat. You and I can join them in the boat. He left those seats empty. So that's what we're going to do this morning is take a seat in the boat and learn some things. The story is about the seven, but the spotlight is on Jesus. Let's see what this tells us about Jesus this morning. First thing, Jesus saw them even though they weren't looking for him. They were busy fishing. They were busy doing what they wanted to do to keep them occupied. And they were probably busy talking to each other. 
They weren't looking in his direction. They weren't really looking for him to appear at this time. They were occupied, but he was watching them all along. This is not the first time that this happened. Matthew experienced this early on in the book of Matthew and also in the book of Luke. It says that Jesus saw Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. Matthew, of course, was at his job as a tax collector. It was a public place. It was right on the busy street. And he was busy taking care of taxes. He was busy making money. And it says that Jesus saw him as he sat at the receipt of custom. In the original Greek language, the word saw here does not mean he just glanced up and saw him. It means he watched him intently. And all the while, Matthew was counting money. And all the while, Matthew was interacting with uh, people. Jesus was watching him very closely. He didn't see Jesus. He wasn't looking at Jesus. He was too busy earning a living. He was too busy with his daily activities. But also we understand a little bit later on, Jesus feeds the 5,000 and he sends the disciples away in a boat. Go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and I'll join you there. We know the story, a storm came up. And the book of Mark, it says the wind was contrary and the boat was tossed and Jesus saw the disciples toiling in rowing. They didn't see Jesus. They were too busy keeping water out of the boat. They were too busy with the problem at hand. They were trying to stay alive. They were not looking at Jesus, but Jesus was looking at them all the time. And he sees us too. He sees us when we're not looking at him. He sees us when you're not looking for him. And despite the fact you may be busy with other things, and despite the fact you may be preoccupied with problems and hurts and grief, Jesus has his eye on you. Secondly, Jesus knew about their disappointment. Now, English translations word it this way in verse 5. Children, have you any food or do you have any fish? But in the original Greek, he asked it this way. You don't have any fish, do you? He knew they didn't have any fish. And the question is asked anticipating a negative response. Now, that's a whole different uh, slant to the question. Do you have any fish? Kind of leaves it open. But when he asked it this way, you don't have anything, do you? He knew of the events of the whole night. He knew about the empty nets. I don't know how many times they threw the net, but they threw it, drew it in, and threw it, and drew it in all night long. Now, for fishermen, especially professionals, there's a lot of frustration here. They were frustrated. He knew of the failed attempts. He knew of the empty net. He knew of the fact that they'd come up with no fish. And he knows about our disappointments too. He asked the question, and in his question, he revealed he knew that they'd come up empty-handed. He knows about your disappointments, about your hurts, about your frustration, about your empty nets. And then he redirected their efforts to more productive actions. Cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. 
We can look at this particular statement and we say, this doesn't apply to us. We're not fishing. We're not fishermen. We hadn't had a, a long night of no fishing. But let me, let me rephrase what he says. What you're doing is not working. What you're doing is not working. And many times, our own misdirected lives and efforts contribute to the disappointments and frustrations we have in life. What you're doing, how you're living, is not working. Let me show you a better way. This has been the work of Jesus since then, through the centuries. As he gains our attention and he says, I see what you're doing. I see what's going on. I see the feelings you have. And let me tell you, what you're doing is not working. I have a better way. And Jesus has provided that better way through his word ever since then. Well, we know what happened. They cast the net and drew it in and couldn't even draw it in because of all the fish. It was a productive throw when they started doing things Jesus' way. And when we start doing things Jesus' way, we will notice a difference, a big difference in how our lives go. We understand that, of course, John wants to be sure and let us know that they dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. Now, what's the significance of that number? The early church fathers, some of them went to great lengths to let us know that there was something about that number, 153. One of them even said 17 is an important number because you've got 10 and 7. And if you'll add 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4, all the way up to 17, you come to 153. All these significance and try to, try to discern what the number means, well, it's pretty simple. I'm going to uh, put the South Arkansas and North Louisiana interpretation here. These guys were fishermen. And when a fisherman has a good catch, he's going to tell you about it. He's going to tell you how many fish he caught. When the, everything's going well, fishermen like to talk about it. If you'll notice back up when he says, children, do you have any fish? They, they gave him a very short answer. No, they didn't elaborate. But oh, let me tell you, when they caught some fish, they had to talk about it. 153 large fish. We understand these were true fishermen. They had to talk about their catch. So we realize that it made a difference. It made a difference when they started doing things his way. And of course, they came to the land. Peter came first, the other disciples. And let's see what they find. As soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus knew exactly what they needed at that moment. Could they have survived without that fish and bread? Sure. Could they have survived if there wasn't a fire going on the shore? Sure. But they had been in the water all night. You get wet when you're on a boat casting a net. And even in a summer or a spring evening, you're going to get cold. It's going to be uncomfortable and you're wet. Jesus knew that they needed a fire. Jesus knew that they needed breakfast. And he knows exactly what we need. Something to change the course of the whole day. And he knew what they needed far beforehand. You see, it wouldn't have worked for Jesus to see them out in the boat 
and then say, I bet they'll be hungry and start trying to start the fire and get the, the fish. Jesus knew a long time what they would need before he even encountered them. And he had it ready for them. He had started the fire to the point where it was coals. He had fish that was already cooked. He had bread that was already cooked. He knew what they needed at the moment, but he was preparing that far before the moment. And he had the fish and the bread and the fire, everything just right for them. And then he said, come eat breakfast. Come eat breakfast. And so Jesus knew what they needed, and he provided exactly what they needed. But let me tell you something else about Jesus. He graciously acknowledged their efforts, even though he's the one that provided everything. He says this in verse 10, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Bring the fish which you have just caught. He acknowledged the fact that they brought the fish in, but who provided the fish? Well, Jesus did. They didn't catch any fish that they began to do things Jesus' way. But once they started to do things Jesus' way, Jesus acknowledged their efforts. Jesus acknowledged their success. Jesus graciously said, I want the fish that you caught. Now, Jesus provides everything for us, all that we could ever have or hope for, anything that we accomplish as individuals or as a church. But Jesus acknowledges our efforts. Paul said it later on, he will not forget your labor of love. He knows what you do. He sees what's happening. And he acknowledges your hand, even though he's the one that provides everything. So we come to a, a conclusion. Uh, we indeed do occupy those two seats in the boat, you and me. We're in the same boat as the disciples. And let's acknowledge the fact that, first of all, Jesus is aware of you, even though you're not looking at him. Sometimes we're not aware of Jesus because we're not looking in his direction. Sometimes we're not aware of Jesus because there's so, many, so much pain and grief and hurt. It's hard to see Jesus. But regardless of whether we're looking at him or can see him or can understand him, let me assure you, his eye is on you this morning. And he sees you. Secondly, Jesus cares about your disappointments. What's bothering you this morning? What, what concerns you? What are we really worried about in the midst of all this uncertainty? It could be just the simple uncertainties of life. You may be going through grief. Someone you know and love may be sick. Jesus cares about your disappointments, and he knows about them. Thirdly, Jesus has a plan. He has instructions for a better way of doing things. You're doing things all wrong, he said to the disciples. Let me show you a better way. And Jesus has a better way for us to live, a better way for us to love, a better way for us to communicate with each other. And Jesus knows what you need. And he says, come and eat breakfast. What he meant was this, you come closer to me so we can be together. It wasn't about the fish. It wasn't about the bread. It really wasn't about the fire. He said, I want you to be closer to me. And Jesus invites us to be closer to him. None of the disciples regretted the decision to move closer to Jesus. When they moved closer to Jesus, he had some good things for them. He's got some good things for us too. 
But all he invites us to do is come closer to him and let him show us that better way of doing things and that better way of life of living close to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've allowed us to spend a little time in the boat to get a good, clear look at Jesus. Father, may we, like the disciples, move closer to him. May we follow his directions to do things different. May we experience the fact that he loves us and sees us and cares about us. And we know he has good things for all of us if we would just move closer to him and answer his invitation to come. Father, there are people hurting. There are people who are indifferent. There are people whose lives are just coming unraveled. I ask now you would touch them in a special way and do something else before this day is over to remind them of your presence and your eye is always on them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. May God bless.